Welcome, Welcome to Camp Constitution, Constitution Radio. Radio. With your, your host, Al Sherman. This, this show is heard on WBCQ of the Planet every Monday night at 7.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And also Thursdays, also 7.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. You can also pick this show up on Podomatic.com and on YouTube. So you can visit our Podomatic uh, page, Camp Constitution, and YouTube, uh, YouTube channel, also Camp Constitution. And uh, we're getting a lot of new, a lot of views uh, lately from on our YouTube channel. We're getting close to sixty thousand a month. Uh, about five or six months ago, we're up to eighty-five thousand, and it got it kind of uh, went down to about fifteen or so thousand a month. But uh, we're holding our own. We've got a lot of excellent programs on there. A lot of playlists, uh, for example, a playlist on the Article Five, the dangers of an Article Five convention. And these are just great tools for folks to use to uh, to help learn about the Constitution. We do have playlists for uh, most of our instructors at camp over the years, whether it be John McManus or Chris Ann Hall and Christopher Lord Moncton, Professor Willie Soon, Dr. Duke Pester, and others. Uh, <clears throat> the show is uh, sponsored by Camp Constitution, which, among other things, runs a week and uh, a week-long summer camp program, family camp. Next year's camp will be held at the Lakeside Christian Camp and Conference Center uh, in Pittsfield, Massachusetts. Uh, we also are holding a Christmas breakfast December 1st at the camp of this year, 2018. And if you're interested in attending that, uh, just give us a call, contact us, go to the website. There's a place where you can uh, or visit us at our Facebook page. And we do have um, we do have an events uh, when you go to our Facebook page is a list of events, and you can click it on. And uh, the program starts at 10 o'clock in the morning. We're going to have Reverend Stevie Kraft, one of our instructors, give a presentation about America's godly heritage. And um, Melina Christ, uh, Chastian of the um, Ladies for Liberty, uh, Daughters of Liberty, I should say, who was a recent guest, she'll be speaking there too. And it's going to be a silent auction. So if you have anything to donate uh, to bring them with you or uh, make a, make arrangements for you to pick them up. Uh, anyway, um, lots of things happening. Tomorrow is uh, an important election here in the United States. This is the tragic thing, though. If we had a limited government uh, under the Constitution, the elections, while still important, wouldn't be life and death. And this is uh, what uh, this, these elections have become. Uh, if the Rep- Republicans hold the House and the Senate and uh, maybe even gain some seats, uh, you know, th- <clears throat> this would be uh, probably it will it will probably be a good thing if that happens. Um, obviously, if the Democrats uh, get the House, uh, they will uh, stop any any of the uh, any of the positive things of um, the agenda of President Trump. Uh, now they're talking about impeaching him, and if they impeach him, now they do need a simple majority in the House. They would still, in order to remove him from office, he'd have to go, uh, the Senate would have to be two-thirds, and that's very hard to get. And I'm thinking, what are they going to impeach him for, other than what, his bad haircut or maybe some of his tweets are a little uh, over the top? I don't know if they can uh, base it on that. So it should be interesting. Um, here in Massachusetts, uh, Elizabeth Warren, who is a, uh, a U.S. senator, uh, she's not much of a campaigner, I don't think. And I see that a lot of 
Democrats, I live in a section of Boston called West Roxbury. A lot of Democrats uh, seem to be going for Jeff Deal, the Republican opponent. There's a third-party candidate, uh, Shiva. I don't know how uh, successful he'll be and uh, whether or not he'll take some votes away from Jeff Deal. But anyway, it should be interesting. But today's show, I want to discuss the uh, birthright uh, issue and the 14th Amendment. Now, the 14th Amendment, this was one of the so-called Reconstruction Amendments, and it, there's several parts of the amendment, but the one that we're concerned about is the first clause, uh, or first section. The, some of the sections uh, 2 and 3 and 4 and uh, well, 5 is just the uh, appropriate legislation uh, part of it. But this dealt with uh, the the, four, the second and third and fourth parts dealt a lot with the uh, confor- uh, the former Confederates. But the the part in question here is uh, all persons born or naturalized in the United States are subject to the jurisdiction thereof, are citizens of the United States and of the states where they reside. No state shall make or enforce any law which shall abridge the privileges and or immunities of citizens of the United States, nor shall any state deprive any person of life, liberty, or property without due process of law, nor deny to any person within its jurisdiction the equal protection of the laws. So this is the part that these people advocating what they call birthright citizenship. This is the idea that if your parents come here and are illegal aliens and say, mom, uh, the illegal alien mom has a child, that child automatically becomes a U.S. citizen under this this false interpretation or false uh, idea of this amendment. <clears throat> now, one of the most important things is um, when it when it comes to any law is what is the original intent. Well, the original intent is was very it was obvious. It was to make citizens, former slaves, citizens of the states and the state and also the uh, country of the United States. That's all it had, and it had nothing to do with, uh, with illegal aliens. The 14th Amendment, the people who gave us the 14th Amendment, and by the way, it was very unpopular among the uh, former Confederate states, obviously, because their parts in there had dealt with punishing the Confederates, saying that they were basically engaged in criminal, behavior, criminal activity. So they didn't think that they were criminals. Uh, and so, of course, all the Confederates have since passed away. So that aspect is no longer in effect. But the idea that uh, the framers of the 14th Amendment had illegal aliens, uh, the children of illegal aliens in mind, is uh, ludicrous. Um, in fact, um, there was a really good article in the New American Magazine, the online version that came out uh, just a few days ago. Let's see. Um, let me see if we get the article here. Trump is right. Birthright citizenship must end. It came out Tuesday, uh, 30th October. And it mentioned the two of the main individuals that, uh, that wrote the, uh, the, the, the amendment. Uh, and it, again, it was very clear. Let me see now. It was, um, oh, what's his name? It was a senator from Illinois. And it was uh, actually a senator from uh, Michigan, I believe. And this, the clause in question is the jurisdiction, subject to the jurisdiction thereof. So that meant what, where they had loyalty, what country were they loyal to. 
Now, if you're from a foreign country, you're from a foreign country, even if you're here legally, that doesn't mean that uh, you're subject, you're definitely under our laws, unless you're a diplomat in your diplomatic immunity, but you are a subject or a citizen of another country. You're not a a subject or a citizen of this country. And that's what the the term jurisdiction, that's what they meant by jurisdiction. And uh, and the the idea that if somebody comes, it's like, for example, if, if two people here are tourists from another country and they come in here and uh, the, the wife or girlfriend is pregnant, she has a child, that child automatically doesn't become a U.S. citizen. If those folks are from France or Germany or what have you. Now, there are some countries that have what they call dual citizenship. In fact, there's a number of countries. Some of them are um, limited dual citizenship. And so it, it, there are some cases where if American is over in, I believe France, and uh, this has a child, they may offer citizenship to that person. But that's France. Let France worry about France. The United States did not have any concept of dual citizenship until our wonderful Supreme Court ruled in 1967. And that's when it, but it's still very limited. And uh, when you become a U.S. citizen in this country, uh, part of your oath is to renounce any allegiance to other countries. Now that doesn't mean you're going to uh, you can't renounce your heritage, you can't renounce your your first language if it was obviously a language other than English, you can't renounce your your parents and grandparents and all that, and no one is expected to do that. But you renounce your loyalty. So if you're from Greece and you come here and you become a U.S. citizen, you can still love your old country, but you don't have any loyalty to it. As far as uh, the United States is the country that you're loyal to, not not a foreign country. So that's very important. Now, Donald Trump, President Trump, said he wanted to pass an executive order to clarify that. Uh, And this is the problem. That executive order is unconstitutional because the purpose of executive orders were simply to to control or to administer, not word control, but to administer the executive branch. And by the way, the term executive order is not in the Constitution. So anything that goes beyond the the um, be, beyond controlling or administering his his branch is not, should be null and void. And unfortunately, presidents have passed executive orders uh, over the years. Uh, I remember uh, very vividly one of uh, Clinton's Bill Clinton's uh, staffers. Uh, his last name starts with a B. I can't remember it offhand. But he said something to the effect, uh, executive order, law of the land, kind of cool. Well, it's not the law of the land, and it's not cool. If somebody has that much power, he becomes a dictator. If an executive order can uh, supersede the Constitution and become the law of the land, enforceable, then we really don't have a Constitution. We have a dictatorship. Uh, so, I mean, if the president wants to... Um, have an executive order uh, abolishing OSHA or repealing the um, repealing the rules and regulations made by a certain a certain department in, in his cabinet or uh, one of the many branches. Uh, if he wants to do something, to, for example, to rein in the uh, IRS, that's his prerogative. But to do something that's Congress's job, that's not his prerogative. So uh, Congress should pass a law 
uh, clarifying that. And I think uh, there was a senator that said he would propose, uh, Senator Lindsey Graham <clears throat> uh, said that he would propose a bill that would um, that that would clarify this birthright nonsense uh, and put a stop to it. Now it's said that uh, oh gee you know these poor people come here and they have it's it's a cruel thing. Well, just the bottom line is uh, it's I think we are a sovereign nation and we have every right to protect our borders and also protect the thing called citizenship. It's not something that we sort of give away hastily. And there should be qualification for a citizen. And a citizen shouldn't be the parents of illegal aliens for the purpose of coming in here. So, so what happens is the, uh, the illegal alien person or even legal alien comes in here, has a child, and all of a sudden they stay because the child's a U.S. citizen. So now they're, they're here and they're entitled to welfare, entitled to all the things uh, – the citizens are entitled to that to me is a suicide pact that if we did this uh, people around the world would be coming in here and getting citizenship through their children and it would uh, it would be a, a massive drain it already is a massive drain on the economy and so uh, it's important to understand that the 14th amendment did not grant illegal aliens their children of illegal aliens any type of citizenship in fact, there was a uh, there was a case in the 1890s uh, dealing with um, the son of an ambassador. I think it was a Japanese. Uh, the United States versus Wom Kim Ark decided in 1898, and uh, so this 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 case here, the uh, the child was uh, here. The parents were here legally. But the child uh, says, oh, I'm a, you know, trying to claim that this child was a U.S. citizen. And the Supreme Court ruled, no, that, that's not the case. You're not subject to the jurisdiction thereof. You're subject to the jurisdiction of, of your country, uh, of your parents' country. So they were not uh, granted, he was not granted citizenship. Now, uh, there is a proper way to become a citizen. Uh, and if they follow the guidelines, then that may happen. Um, so again, the uh, subject to the jurisdiction thereof does not mean that if you're here legally or illegally that you're a subject of the country, that you're a citizen or that somehow uh, the, just stepping on the soil makes you some type, of, uh, some type of right to become a citizen. That's not the case. Um, and while I, I, I appreciate the sentiments of the president where he says uh, he wants to have an executive order, and he was told that he could. Some of his legal experts said, oh, sure you can. Well, you can't. You shouldn't because uh, you know, doing, the, doing the wrong thing for the right reason is still doing the wrong thing. And it's important that, uh, that the Congress's job, and that's what one of the biggest problems we face in our country, is that the uh, growth of the executive branch and Congress simply delegating its authority, very much like the, um, the trade issues. Congress created this thing called fast track. So it says, well, well, we'll let the president negotiate, which is obviously constitutional, but then we'll, we'll simply give him this fast track authority where we simply vote uh, up and down. We vote on the thing, simple majority, and it becomes law. And also, the president has been slapping tariffs. And again, I appreciate the sentiment. We've had a trade war. We've been in the trade war 
for several decades with China and other countries, but we've sort of uh, haven't been fighting it. We've been sort of letting the other side win uh, almost by default. And that's evidence of all the closed factories and all the millions of jobs that have gone overseas. Uh, so Trump says, let's slap a tariff on this item and that item. And uh, he's using really his executive authority where Congress's job on Article 1, Section 8. Congress is supposed to make the, all the laws dealing with, uh, with the trade. And that's, that's what we will need to get back to. So, um, so again, um, the 14th Amendment isn't some kind of suicide pact, as some people think. And the Constitution isn't a suicide pact. The Constitution was there to be the law of the land, to be adhered to, and when you take an oath of office that you're supposed to understand at least a little bit of that Constitution. And uh, we just hope that uh, more and more people get to understand that and appreciate not just the 14th Amendment, but all the other amendments and the articles of the Constitution. So, um, by the way, I want to announce something here um, that uh, as of about two weeks ago, I became the president of the Sam Blumenfeld uh, Literacy Foundation. Now, this entity uh, was created by a good friend of mine, Mr. Bill McNally of Wyndham, New Hampshire, oh, about 10 years ago, with the complete blessing, of course, of Sam Blumenfeld, who passed away in 2015. And this uh, Sam Blumenfeld, actually, it's a Sam L. Blumenfeld Literacy Foundation, is a 501c3, and it does have the rights to at least one of the books uh, that Sam uh, has uh, written called Phonics for Success. Phonics for Success is the identical to the alpha phonics except it's in a smaller format the alpha phonics was more like a workbook uh eight and a half by eleven or even a little bit bigger than that some of them had um or, or ring binder and some of them did have regular binding on them uh, paperback uh, uh so it's a smaller version and it's us uh, we hit, we're selling our uh version on camp constitution's uh, amazon um, and if anyone's interested in larger quantities, or even want to reprint it. Uh, we had a, a homeschool family, uh, mom called me, contact us from Florida, and they were interested in republishing a small percentage of the books, and we gave them the permission. And you know, I said, if you want to make a donation, that'd be fine. Usually uh, uh, an author gets 10% of the uh, proceeds, 10% of the profit, from the publishing endeavor. So I think that would be more than reasonable. But we're very happy to do that because um, I, when Sam, it was the Thursday before he passed away, he passed away on a Monday, June 1st. And I said to Sam that uh, we're going to do our best to make sure that your, your important work uh, will, uh, be, uh, will influence generations yet to come unborn and you know, generations. And we think we're already doing that because um, the Sam Blumenfeld Archives, which is on Camp Constitution's website, um, is becoming it's very popular. Uh, last year, we got over 2 million views. Now, that doesn't mean 2 million people, but it means that 2, millions, there were two, 2 million items were looked at. So there's probably several hundred thousand people that are using it and we've got a lot of downloads we've got um, I think the alpha phonics we had over uh, 75,000 downloads in PDF format just with that one item 
and this is happening. These are people from all over the world are signing up, and uh, and we, we when we say sign up, if you go to the website, all we're asking for is a uh, an email address and a username. Some people give us more; they might give us their uh, their full address and contact information, but at the very least, we have an email, and, and then you have access to the whole um, the whole archive. And we're going to be adding. We'll add to that as time goes on. Uh, there's still a lot. The more important things are up there: the Alpha Phonics, the uh, How to Tutor book, the um, How to Do Cursive, the How to uh, the Alpha Phonics. Not only do we have the uh, the book itself that you can download, but we have uh, all 128 lessons, either in audio or video. So you can go to the web go to the website. You can you can either download or just read each page, each lesson, and then play the audio uh, while you're doing the lesson, or just download it and and, and play the uh, video. And uh, and it, and the videos were created by of course Sam Blumenfeld. I'm Bill McNally. Bill McNally took Sam to the studio there in the cable TV studio. He went over all the lessons. I think he did blocks of um, five to six lessons at a time. And some of the lessons are very short. You know, here are, here are some vowel sounds, and some of the lessons tend to be long as time goes on. And we use this, my wife and I use this for our children. And uh, our children are all very good readers. The youngest one is now 14. The other ones have uh, uh, grown out of school and, or in college, out of high school or what have you. And we homeschooled the whole time. We didn't put them in any uh, public schools or government schools. And it was very, they did, they did very well with it. There's also uh, how to teach cursive. Now, cursive is what people sometimes say a lost art. Sam was a stickler for cursive first. And uh, I, I, I believe that. One of the reasons, or the biggest reason, is because uh, children, toddlers, have almost a, their reflex is a scribble. A scribble is just a bunch of circles, right? And if you can you know, sort of harness that, you uh, get someone who's going to be a pretty good writer. And um, today they teach what they call block or block printing. And when they do teach cursive, they do it afterwards. And so what happened with me I have uh, it's sort of a block reflex so sometimes your letters your your cursive letters are a little a combination of both uh, block and, and cursive and uh, so that's why Sam was a big stickler for cursive first and I agree with him but one of the things I it was interesting I was up at the Lillian Nordica homestead um, uh, last year donating some some items that were in Sam's estate to the homestead. Sam had published a book, uh, a biography of Lillian Nordica known as the Yankee Diva, and as a museum or where she homestead, quite an interesting place. Anyway, the uh, nice lady that runs the place, um, Crystal, she um, said that there was a high school girl. Uh, she was volunteering her services, her time to help out. And she said, well, can you transcribe these notes that Lillian wrote just to you know, print them out so it would be easier for people to read? And she said, uh, I don't know how to, I don't know cursive. So uh, she was sort of handicapped. And there's a lot of, uh, you know, things like this. Uh, some of our original documents were written in cursive, and, um, you know, people can't read them. Now, of course, they're also in print form. Uh, but I think it's important. But John Dewey was uh, back in 1898 basically said we don't need a literate society well of course we do an illiterate society is much easier to control 
And we can see that by the election results. Uh, the people who are uninformed or the illiterates tend to vote for politicians who want higher taxes and big government. So uh, other things on the Blumenfeld archive include uh, all his newsletters. Uh, he did a monthly newsletter for, I think, about 12 years from the 80s into to the late 90s. And month by month and uh you can actually see you know check out and some of the newsletters would be you know dated he might be talking about a political person or, or, or an election and some of them are timeless and one of his most important was the creation an article he did on the creation of a black in, underclass the iq test and um i can't remember i think that was 1986 one of the one of the uh, newsletters in the 1986 that's something that we've actually reprinted and and he also, um, like so, so he did a lot of good, uh, good things on the newsletters. Also, uh, you'll find uh, transcripts of speeches he gave on different topics, mainly education, but aspects of it. Um, and these speeches were given at homeschool shows, at functions um, around the country, and even in other countries. He would travel to Canada, uh, Australia, New Zealand, and other other places. We also have a lot of his correspondence with uh, people in, the, in, in various circles, uh, some politicians, um, some uh, world leaders, uh, other authors. Uh, Lou Rockwell, for example, is the correspondence there. Rush Dooney, Reverend Rush Dooney, them their correspondence. Um, Phyllis Schlafly uh, and many others. Uh, he was also, when he was a younger man in the 60s, late 50s, early 60s, he started or was involved in the founding of two organizations. One of, one of them was uh, the American Friends of Algeria and then the American Friends of Gatanga. And the American Friends, and this is, we believe, the first time that the information from these two organizations was made online, um, the newsletters and uh, various reports and things from, from those two organizations. There's also the notes, uh, the interview that Sam did with, Dr. Chombay, which I hope I'm pronouncing it right, who was the leader of Gatanga, and uh, he was in exile in Spain when Sam uh, interviewed him in French, and it was translated. And um, anyway, some, and I think that's stuff there that was just available for the first time. He also was involved with a group called the uh, Jewish Society of Americanists, and uh, their newsletters, I think they had a monthly newsletter. The organization lasted for about four years, and they, uh, they did a lot of good work. They had con conventions, and <clears throat> they would have, the, they would have uh, mission statements and such. And the problem was there were a lot of folks uh, out there, uh, well, maybe not a lot, but some folks who looked at uh, Jews as being mostly liberals and supporting left-wing causes, and they wanted to make a strong case that there were plenty of uh, Jewish Americans who did not support socialism but were, in fact, uh, liberty-loving freedom activists. And that organization uh, uh, did a lot of good work in the, in the relatively short time it existed. But it was, it, it, in spite of that, despite the fact they weren't around too long, they did some important work. And that's archived. Also, a lot of Sam's speeches uh, and audio and video. Uh, probably altogether, there might be, I don't know, a couple of weeks worth of uh, audios and videos. I mean, if you were to play them 24 hours, 24 7 uh, between uh, <clears throat> the various speeches he gave, uh, or some of them would be uh, cable TV shows he appeared on, or some new shows he appeared on. Um, 
And it was just uh, just incredible information. All this is available as a free download, free downloads. And we want to see other people take this information and put it on your blog, put it on your website, or link it to us. You can do that too if you have a blog or a website. Um, link this information on your website so more people can know about the archive. Um, and it's it's free, but we do encourage folks to donate. As you know, there's no such thing as a free lunch. There are does cost money to maintain the website. Uh, the website of the Sam Blumenfeld Archive was created by uh, two people, Mr. Mark Affleck, who serves as our camp newspaper editor, and uh, our webmaster, Eric Conover. They did an incredible job putting this together. Um, now, I inherited Sam's, most of Sam's library and papers, <clears throat> and the, my major job was to sift through the things uh, 200 boxes of things, some of the stuff that was, you know, old phone bills and old, you know, old Newsweek magazines, which we obviously didn't hang on to, but to find some of these uh, these things and make sure that Mark and Eric were able to take them and uh, make something out of them, uh, you know, to to scan them and put them in PDF format or convert the uh, the old uh, cassettes and uh, VHS to uh, MP4s and MP3s, and they did a great job. <clears throat> So, uh, so if you can make donations to Camp Constitution, just go to our website, campconstitution.net, and through our PayPal account. Or you want to donate to the foundation, and that's a 501c3. You can do that as well. Well, I think our time is up. Uh, again, I want to thank you for listening. You've been listening to Camp Constitution Radio with your host, Hal Shirtliff. And until next week, may God bless you.